Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. Uh, that I write 
uh, Marty and I kind of work on the night before. Sometime we're starting to get further ahead now. Uh, we're actually trying to get weekly themes. Some of you might have noticed we're getting really, really organized now. Um, because uh, uh, last last week our theme was yours for the journey, and this week our theme is just as I am, and uh, uh, we're having a whole lot of a lot of fun and a lot of challenge with this with this one this particular theme. And tonight on uh, on our blog talk radio, uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit more about this. And since it's just me, I want to definitely encourage anybody who might be listening live that this would be an excellent time to call in with a question or a comment because uh, we've got about a half an hour here and uh, I don't necessarily want to fill it all up with my talk. I can do that because I love to talk, but uh, you know, these lines have always been open. We don't make a big deal about it. But uh, tonight, I am going to make a big deal because I'd love to chat with somebody. Um, our number here to call in is uh, area code 646-716-5721. Once again, that's 646-716-5721. And uh, if you're online, that number should be on your screen. Um, if you're listening to us from there. So uh, please call in. Uh, I would love to know that uh, uh, we have something to chat about. Um, But uh, today we're going to go a little deeper into this theme, uh, just as I am. Now, uh, most people I've noticed uh, when we first came up with this theme, and I wrote about it yesterday, um, there were uh, two or three comments about, of course, the famous hymn, uh, Just As I Am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Um, a most amazing, fantastic hymn that uh, I believe was written by Fanny Crosby, I think and became the invitation hymn of all time for uh, all Billy Graham crusades. And any of you who have ever been to a crusade or watched on TV know that, uh, you know, those crusades come into town and they have a way of getting all the churches involved. And so all the choirs come together and uh, you've got about a 100 to 200 voice choir singing uh, this hymn at the end of uh, uh, when Billy Graham gives the invitation, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for thee for me. Um, uh, o Lamb of God, I come, I come, and uh, an unbelievable magnetic power of just those words and the music of that great hymn uh, would just bring hundreds and thousands of people up out of their chairs and uh, pews and wherever they were, most likely benches, because uh, most of his crusades were in large arenas and uh, down forward, because of that incredible statement that Jesus accepts us just as we are. That means all of our sin, 
all of our hidden nature, all of our secrets, all of the stuff we've forgotten, the stuff we've screwed up, the stuff we've messed up, the people we've hurt, uh, the, the, the relationships we've lost, um, all the good stuff too, the stuff that makes us great and the stuff that makes us awful, just as I am, that's the way God accepts us. And uh, it's once you realize that, that you are loved and accepted just as you are and there is your sin is no longer in the way, um, that is the most amazing discovery I think you'll ever make. And I believe we actually live the rest of our life in a permanent state of astonishment about that, primarily because you don't just sin once and get forgiven once. You... You, you, you are. I often say that sin is like a, like an onion. There's always another layer to it, and the longer you live, the older you get. The more you peel the shell off that onion, and the closer down you get um, to, to how deep this sin goes. And uh, um, yet, each time, each time, each new revelation. Um, each new time the Spirit of God convicts us, immediately there is that forgiveness that we know we have in Christ. And it's almost like you're getting saved all over again. And I, I think that's that's the uniqueness of, I think, the Christian life, the way it should be lived. We should live in a permanent state of astonishment. And and if if we aren't daily astonished, it's because I believe we probably... Um, gotten to tolerate too much sin in our life. We're not. We've we've rationalized it. We've uh, compared ourselves with other people and think we come off looking pretty good. And we're not being convicted, so we don't really have that much to be forgiven of. And we're not we're not feeling that tension in our lives. Uh, I believe we feel that need to feel that all the time if the Holy Spirit is truly working in our life so that we're almost newly, freshly forgiven uh, every moment of every day. That's that's the way I want to live. And uh, I think if we live that way, we are then much better people, better suited to meet the sinners of the world, to meet everybody else just as they are. Because if we realize we have been loved and accepted as we are, well, then, of course, I can love and accept you the way you are. Um, remember that uh, that poignant, uh, it's actually, I think, one of the greatest jokes Jesus told, um, proving his sense of humor, uh, when he said that uh, if you if you want to do something about the speck of sawdust that is in your brother's eye, you should probably take care of the plank that is in your own eye. <laughs> um, and the picture is so poignant. You, you can even see yourself trying to get close enough to that other guy to even see his speck. In the meantime, your plank is banging him in the head. He's not having a good time. You're not having a good time. 
uh, it's just not a very good experience. Jesus says there's a there's a way to solve this. The way you solve this is you go get the plank out of your own eye, and then you can see clearly to remove the speck, the piece of sawdust from your brother's eye. Of course, if if you've had a plank in your eye, and chances are it's been there all your life, you have something that big in your head removed. Let me tell you, one, it takes major surgery. It's an experience you won't forget. And two, you won't see anything the same way ever again. Everything will be different because that plank was blinding you. And it's almost like, you know, I I can see clearly now the log is gone. These things out of my eye. And wow, I can see the world. I can see you. And then, here's the deal. Then you tell me you have this problem in your eye. Come on here. Let me see. Now you can get nice and close. You don't have a plank sticking out of your eye. And you look in there and you say, that's it. That little speck of sawdust, I can get that out. That is no problem. You should have seen what I got out of my eye. Couldn't even pull it out. I had to go get help for mine. Let me tell you, God had to do major surgery on me to get rid of mine. You see what that does? That puts us in a whole different way of looking at other people. It's just as I am and just as they are, they are accepted too. And, you know, this just as I am needs to be not just for me, not just how I get in and how I'm accepted, but it also needs to then become a guide for how I accept other people, that I can truly accept other people just as they are because there is no one who has any kind of sin that is going to be a shocking to me, not when I've had a plank in my eye removed, then everything compared to me is nothing. And I believe this. I, I truly believe this. It's it's part of a, a little theory I have. It's, I call it my uh, best darn sinner theory. <laughs> It's a little John Fisher theology. You can take it or leave it. But I believe each one of us should believe that we are the best darn sinner on the face of the earth. There isn't anybody who can do this better than we can. And I'll tell you why. Not because my sin is so much worse than everybody else's. Because how do you measure sin? You can't do that. You you, you don't measure sin. Even if you do, it wouldn't matter because mine is mine. That's the problem. Mine is mine, and I'm an expert at it. Nobody else, nobody else knows this sin like I do. That, because of that, that makes mine worse. Because it's mine. That's why. And and I know all the ramifications of it. I know how deep it goes. I haven't even gotten to the bottom of it. Yours I don't, honestly, I don't know about yours. I really can't get that close to you to know yours because I don't know your background. I don't know your history. I don't know that, you know, Jesus says the sins of the fathers 
are visited upon the sons from generation to generation to generation. These things are passed down. These, this is heavy. You know, this, this sin stuff runs so deep, and I haven't got a clue about yours. That's why yours, to me, is never going to be much more than a speck. I don't care how bad it looks. I don't care how bad it looks to the rest of the world in comparison. In comparison to me and how well I know my plank, yours will always be a, always be a piece of sawdust. And and you see, the beauty is that this this works for you too. Yours is a plank to you. Mine is a piece of sawdust to you. And so that's the way we can love and accept each other. And it becomes that way for all of us in the body. So therefore, nobody's passing judgment. Nobody's better than anybody. Nobody's sin is less than anybody else's. We don't even care because sin is not something you can weigh anyway. No, it's just that we know ours is worse because it's ours. So therefore, if God accepts me with my plank, takes my plank out of my eye, and allows me to see with hope and astonishment and new eyes, you know, then I can begin to accept people just as they are. Now, this is the part that we're talking about mostly this week. Accepting and loving people as they are. This part is pretty hard. We have a lot of barriers that keep us from being able to do this. Things like prejudice. That's, that can be spiritual prejudice. It can be racial prejudice, uh, economic prejudice, class distinctions, uh, fear. Fear keeps us from loving people just as they are because I, I don't know who they are and if I open myself up to this person, while well, this person might be dirty or this person might steal from me or this could be a homeless person, I'm going to get sick, I'm going to get some disease from them. Uh, I, if I love this person, I'm going to be endangering myself in some way. There's a lot of fear. And then there is judgment that comes in all the time. And uh, that judgment is, is something that we really need to drop right away, like a hot potato, as soon as you start seeing yourself having it, having any kind of judgment towards any kind of human being, you've got to drop it. That is no good. That does nobody any good. It's, Jesus said, do not judge. Jesus is the judge. And uh, if you and I judge anyone, uh, we are then announcing to God that we want to be judged in the same way. And I do not think you want to be in that camp. I do not think you want to go there. Uh, you want to go on the side of mercy and grace. And therefore, if you're going to have mercy extended to you, 
then you want to extend that mercy to everyone else. So therefore, there is no judgment. If if I'm full of mercy, then that's what I give to people. I give no judgment at all. Only mercy. Everybody gets mercy from me because I've had mercy given to me by Christ. And so I turn around and everybody I meet who's a sinner, I say, good news, you guys. You don't have to pay for that sin. You don't have to be judged for that sin. Jesus died for you. You can enjoy his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. And it happened to me. And here, have it. You can have it too. It can happen to you. <laughs> wow. It's, that's, that's all it is, you guys, being a Christian. We get so tied up in thinking we have to be better than each other and seven steps to being a... Uh, awesome Christian and 10 steps to the victorious Christian life and, and five steps to getting over all these bad things. And no, 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 no. It's just, it's, just, it's just getting forgiven and giving that forgiveness and grace to everybody and spreading the good news of Jesus Christ, one sinner to another sinner, one sinner whose sin is worse than the next guy's giving the good news to him. That way, then, you see, we can get over our prejudice. We can get over our fear. We can get over our judgment and be have our arms and wide open to loving people just as they are. This morning, in the catch, I, I wrote about this. In fact, it was the title of this morning's catch, just as they are, some you might remember if you read it. I used a verse here, and I have to tell you, I saw some new stuff out of this verse in just writing about it this morning than I've ever seen before. And so I want to go over this, even though I've, I've written about it this morning, I want to spend a little bit more time on that uh, tonight. But before I do, I'm going to give out this number one more time, and I'm going to say we've got maybe 10 or 15 more minutes and uh, I would love for you to call in and chat. If you have a question or a comment, the number to call is 646, area code 646-716-5721. 646-716-5721. And uh love to hear from you. Um, but meanwhile, I'm going to go ahead and talk a little bit about 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. It's a very interesting verse right now, and it's a verse that's being thrown around a lot right now because it's one of those, there's about three or four verses that deal in some ways with uh, the homosexual mm-hmm. issue. And because this has become so uh, so controversial in the evangelical church. These verses are being gone over and over with fine-tooth combs these days. And this is one of those. And it's interesting, even in light of that discussion, what I learned about this verse today. So let me, let me read it to you. This is where Paul says that the right, unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, and then he goes and explains who he's talking about as far as unrighteous, and he mentions 
he lists them as these as people. He's listing these as types of people: immoral, idolaters, adulterers, sexual perverts, thieves, the greedy, drunkards, revelers, and then he wrote this: such were some of you, but you were washed you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our Lord God. It goes to this long list of unrighteous people, and then he says this amazing thing, such were some of you. Now, the first question I had to ask about this was, When were they this way? Was this before they came into the church? Or did they come into the fellowship as drunkards and revelers and sexual perverts and greedy people and and, uh, uh, idolaters and adulterers and all that stuff? Or did they get themselves fixed first before they came into the church? I mean, you go in most churches today, that's the impression you get. We get the idea that if any of these people came to the door of the church, they would send you to the Billy Graham crusade. Now, that's where they receive you just as you are. But we don't like you guys in here. We don't like homosexuals in here. We don't like idolaters and adulterers. We don't like thieves and sexual perverts, drunkards. No, no. We don't like... We we have people here who were like that, but we're none of us like that anymore. We're we're all healthy here. We're fixed. We're blessed. We're just worshiping God. So you go get yourself fixed and then come back. Does that sound familiar to anybody? you think that's really the way it is? Do you think that's the way it was when Paul wrote this? I don't think so. I think people showed up like this. Because that's the way people are, for heaven's sakes. We're all messed up. So people just show up this way. And what Paul is trying to teach here is that is that some of you were this way, but now you've been washed, you've been sanctified, and justified. Here's the key. Here's, here's I think, the important part of this. Paul is not saying there were people here who were doing bad things and now they're not doing those bad things anymore. No, he's saying there were people who I who were sinful and they they were so sinful they were in a sense identified with their sin. They were identified with their issue. But now, she says, you're sanctified. You're justified. That's all happened in God's eyes. Okay? You've been washed clean in God's eyes. So let me ask you, are you fixed? Is all this stuff gone? If, 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 if you're a drunkard, are you no longer an alcoholic now? You know? What, is, what does that mean? Is, is, does that mean that stuff is gone and, and over and behind you? No, no, it, 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 it doesn't. It, 
It it means that it means that you're no longer identified that way. It means that your 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 identity has changed. You you have lost that identity and now you are part of Christ. Now you are washed, you are clean, you are justified. Now, guess what? You are going to continue you're going to continue to experience some of this stuff that is part of your human condition. Somewhere else, Paul says, I carry around, we always carry around the body, this body of death in us. That the life of Christ might be seen in our mortal flesh. So, in other words, when you become a Christian, things pass away, all things become new, but you're still carrying the old thing around. I mean, Stick me, stick me. I bleed blood. I, I, I'm a human. I still, and this body of sin is still called a body of death, and I still have to carry it. When Paul says somewhere else that Christ died to save sinners, of whom he is the chief, he says, present tense, I'm the worst one out there. He doesn't mean by that I'm going and sinning all the time. What he means by that is, I know my potential. I know how close I am. I know that I am still a sinner. I still carry around this body of sin. And any time I want to give myself to it, I can help myself. There's nobody stopping me. No. So each day, I seek to throw myself on the mercy of God and to trust in his Holy Spirit in me to live and walk in his spirit, but I know I know I'm very close to that sinful life. It's still there in many ways. And Paul would be the first one to say he falls. We all do. We all slip and fall every day. We know what to do when we fall now. We can get back up and we can get that forgiveness and we can get that grace and we can move on and hopefully learn from that experience. But that's the reality of life. Paul is not talking about saying these bad people are not in the church. He's saying, no, these bad people have new a new identity now. Their identity is in Christ. You see the difference? That means that means that we we have in the church people who are still struggling with all these things. We have people who are struggling with their alcoholism. We have people in church who are still struggling with greed. We have people in the church who are struggling with same-sex attraction. We have people in the church who are struggling with perversion, sexual perversion or pornography. We have people in the church who are still struggling with, uh, uh, with adultery. We have people in the church who are struggling with all these things. Okay. And that's the reality of our life, living, walking each day, trusting in Christ. But Paul's point here is that we will all be in heaven because we are no longer identified by those things. We are identified by the fact that we have been justified, sanctified, washed in the blood of Jesus. 
We've got to be more open. If we can believe this, then we can open our arms to anybody, just as they are. They do not have to get fixed. They do not have to change their minds about stuff. If they admit that they're sinful, if they admit that they cannot follow the laws of God and they want to come and be forgiven and have received God's grace, that's all there is to it. They are in. You are in in my book. You are in in the good book. In all the books I know that talk about the truth, you're in. And that's what it means to accept people just as they are and to incorporate people just as they are into our fellowship, into our body, and then get down to the nitty-gritty work of helping each other live out our life each day, learning to overcome the struggles and the difficulties that are real in our life because we still are human beings and we still live in a body of death. So that's pretty much what I want you to think about tonight. And that's pretty much what I think will help us to open our arms to others. You know, we talk here at the Catch a lot about grace turned outward. That means grace has to come in first. In order to know it, you experience. Grace is undeserved favor. It's God blessing you with his salvation, forgiving you and giving you his righteousness and dumping all this good stuff on you and you didn't do a thing to earn it. Once that happens, then if that's real, you become a different person and it turns you out towards others and you want everyone else to experience the same thing. You want to dump that out on everybody else. And that's what it means to have grace turned outward. Honestly, I don't think there's any other way to do it. I don't think you can just have grace for yourself, just like you can't have mercy for yourself. If you do, if you aren't extending it to anyone, then there's real reason to question whether you really have it for yourself at all. Because grace and mercy, once received, always turn outward to every other human being. No matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter what hate group they are in, it doesn't matter. They are forgiven And you love them, and I love them, just as they are. Well, that's it for tonight on our blog talk radio. I've enjoyed chatting with you and sharing this time with you. I hope that uh, you'll tell others about this next week. Uh, We are going to be having, um, I'm almost certain about this, like 80, 80% certain, so check with the catch later, but I'm pretty sure we're going to have Glenn Kaiser 
next year. Remember Resurrection Band out of Chicago and Jesus People USA, Japuza, they call it? Jesus People USA, that's all Glenn Kaiser, leader of Resurrection Band. And this guy, I tell you, for the last 40 years has done the same thing. He's still doing it. He is on the street, street person ministering to the poor and the outcast in the south side of Chicago. That's where Glenn is. He's been there for 40 years, ever since the Jesus movement. This guy hasn't flinched. He hasn't changed a thing. And as far as he knows, the world is pretty much the same mess as it was 40 years ago. So uh, he's going to be someone who can really show us what it means to love people just as they are because he's seen pretty much everything. And so uh, join us next week. That'll be fantastic with Glenn Kaiser. Meantime, you're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. To get it together Trying to help the fellow man Hoping we can make it